It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny LaRue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Recording this a little bit late because of the ridiculous Giants game that concluded and I wanted to watch the whole thing, but still wanted to record this podcast, which is another thing that I wanted to get to before the start of the season because it's near and dear to my heart and it will help explain some of the things that I think are, are very important in basketball, and it's something that I'm going to follow up on with Locked On Warriors and my own writing on The Athletic throughout the year. And that is Dean Oliver's four factors. And so Dean Oliver is a big figure in basketball analytics. He wrote a great book, Basketball on Paper, that came out, I think it was in 2004, that you should definitely read if you are into this at all, because it helps. his goal is to try to explain a lot of the things in the sport that you know, what, what is conducive to winning and, and everything else. It's definitely worth reading. I think it's less than 15 bucks on Amazon. So if you're interested, check it out. And one of the big contributions that Oliver has made to the basketball conversation are his four factors. And so he condensed a lot of different things into these four attributes. And it's really eight because it's four and then, but it's an offensive component and a defensive component that are important for successful teams and not only did he name them and you know give a statistic that helps that measures it but also the idea of just kind of how they fit together in terms of importance which is kind of cool and something that I've been wrapping my brain around over time as well so the most important of the four factors according to Oliver is shooting this makes sense putting the ball in the basket is incredibly important he lists it as 40 percent so it's by far the largest of any of the four And what we use for that factor is effective field goal percentage. And effective field goal percentage is different than normal, just like if you want to call it shooting percentage, because of the fact that three-point shots are worth more than twos. So really what it is, it's a field goal percentage with a a boost because three-pointers are worth one and a half times a two-point shot. And this is where the Warriors' bread is buttered in terms of dominance. And last year... They were incredible in terms of offensive effective field goal percentage. They led the league the year they won the title in 2014-15. But last year, the margin from them in first to the team in second was larger than the mar- was the same as the margin between second and 25th in the league. So the Warriors were miles and miles ahead of everybody else, and there is plenty of reason to believe that 
they will be even better in that this year than they were last year. They functionally replaced Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant. They got more effective in terms of scoring on the on the center position because Zaza and David West will are more capable, more willing, you know, in that sort of way. However, in terms of efficiency, it could be a little bit different just because Bogut and Azili took so few shots that they made a lot of the ones that they took. So we'll see how the, all that fits in together, but I would expect for the Warriors to be just monstrous in terms of offensive effective field goal percentage. And it also is a, a measure that benefits the Warriors because it doesn't account for things like turnovers, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later. The converse of that is opponent effective field goal percentage. So how well do you limit the other team? And when the Warriors won the title, they were best in this too. So in terms of the most important of the four factors... They were not only the best offensive team, but they were the best defensive team. Last year, they finished second to the Spurs. Not surprising, the Spurs were the best defensive team in the league. However, by metrics like defensive efficiency, the Warriors were actually worse than second, but they were able to to do well in terms of that. So when the shot, when the ball went up, they did a pretty good job. They just didn't force turnovers as much and a, a few other different things. So that is important to consider in terms of the overall in terms of the overall picture because. It isn't the only part of defense, but doing a good job of stopping the shots that go up is is incredibly important. And even despite taking a meaningful step back on that end after the title, they were still very, very good. And so that is something that is important. However, it has to be noted that while Durant for Barnes was, you know, is a huge offensive boon, we don't know how it's going to be defensively. And then the change from Bogut and Azili to Pachulia and West will make a, a substantial difference on this end. Those, the two departed players are two of the better rim protectors in the league. Bogut's a better help defender. Azili's better man-to-man post defender. But both of them are very good at that. And their replacements weren't that way last year and have shown, let's call it a lack of aptitude for that at this point in the preseason. Plenty of time to turn it around. But it would be completely fair to expect that the Warriors will not be as good as an, of an effective field goal percentage defense this season. And if they are, then this team is probably running away with the whole field. And maybe that's the type of thing that could lead them towards 70 plus wins again this year, because not only is there an issue in terms of personnel, personnel isn't as conducive to success here, but also just the lack of motivation for regular season success. And it was an anomaly last year that they did so well in terms of effort considering they had won the title and didn't have a ton to prove but that is what happened so we'll see where that goes but if it stays high that's a really good sign that the team is on the right track the second most important one is something that is not really a warrior's forte and that is turnovers and turnovers the stat they use is a pretty basic one it's turnover percentage so that is how many times that a team turns the ball over for every hundred possessions and a hallmark of Dean Oliver material is that it works more on a per possession basis, which makes a lot more sense because it's an easier way to calibrate because if a team plays fast or a team plays slow, it doesn't really matter in in terms of this kind of a thing. You want to know how many times they turn the ball over. It doesn't matter if they play, you know, if they they're rushing it down the court or not. And it's that equalizes a lot of the other factors. And last season, the Warriors were middle of the road, which is in some ways an upgrade they were so they were 19th in turnover ratio offensively 
and 18th in opponent turnover ratio, which is, you know, it's, it's not terrible, but it's not great. They were better in terms of they turned the ball over less in 2014-15, and in a more notable turn, some ways, they finished 7th in terms of forcing turnovers, which is really good. So they went from being all right to being mm, a little bit worse than worse than middle in terms of offensive turnovers last year, but then they took a more steep decline in terms of forcing them. And the best team in terms of not turning the ball over in the league is Charlotte. Charlotte, just the, the way their offense works, they don't really do that. It will be interesting to see how the departure of Al Jefferson affects this because Jefferson was he he does many things well and many things poorly but one of the key attributes with him is that once he gets the ball he he just doesn't he just doesn't turn it over and now they're going to be handing those keys over to Cody Zeller a little bit more and Roy Hibbert and those players do not have the same strength there that he does and also we'll see what happens with Ramon Sessions replacing Jeremy Lin but that is part of the reason why Charlotte is so competitive is that they just do not turn the ball over. In terms of forcing them, unsurprisingly, the Memphis Grizzlies are really, really good. They were best in the league last year. They bounced around, but usually they're towards the top. Their personnel is changing a lot this year with the news that Zach Randolph isn't going to start and Chandler Parsons being added to their starting lineup. So we'll see how that happens. And only one team in the NBA was top five in committing the fewest turnovers and forcing the most turnovers, and that was the Boston Celtics. That is, I don't, I don't want to call it a Brad Stevens hallmark because we don't know, but it is definitely characteristic of their personnel because they have a lot of good players that can force turnovers. I mean, it's, it was something that was special about them. Warriors fans can note that from the game that the Golden State lost to them at Oracle last year and the game they nearly lost at the Garden. And they've done a better job of holding on to the ball. And some of that is also that they don't have as many creators, so they don't throw the kind of ambitious passes the Warriors do. And while turnovers are important, Oliver has it at 25% of the overall picture, there are good, not not good turnovers, but there are better turnovers and there are worse turnovers. And that is something that the Warriors can really improve on this year depending on how they structure the offense, is that they're going to have easier passes. When defenses pay attention to players differently, it creates different openings, different seams, different windows, whatever word you want to use. But they are going to have to be cautious because something that happened notably in the game against the Kings was that the Warriors threw a lot of predictable passes, and when you throw a predictable pass without much zip on it, a team that knows what's going on can jump it. It's very similar to a defensive back in football of just knowing where the ball is going to go and getting there before the offensive player who is generally more ready to figure out what they're going to do once they get the ball. So the Warriors had far too many turnovers. I think it was 13 in the first quarter, and a lot of them were this telegraph variety. But if they can cut those out like they did in the game against the Clippers, that can be a huge potential area of improvement and quality play. And then in terms of forcing them, it's probably not going to be a strength. This team doesn't gamble a lot just like there are are okay turnovers justified and then bad ones the same kind of thing can happen defensively I started covering the Warriors Don Nelson's last year and the Warriors gambled way too much partially because of personnel for turnovers and so yeah they got a lot of them but their defense also wasn't very good so you need to strike that balance and as long as their effective field goal percentage defense you know as long as they're holding teams 
to be unsuccessful when they shoot, you can handle a lower turnover rate because that's a trade-off that it, that is willing to make because a lot of times when you go for them unnecessarily creates better looks. So it's a trade-off every NBA team is grappling with every day, but it is still important to try to do the best that you can. Next up is rebounding. Rebounding is 20%, and it's also a great example of why the offense-defense idea works because you can use offensive rebound percentage for offensive rebounds and then the converse of that is your defensive rebound rate because every ball has to go to one side or the other and last year the Warriors started the season pretty well in terms of of offensive rebound percentage but ended up tailing off after Festus Azili got hurt he was by far the team's best offensive rebounder and they just didn't really have it after that so they were 19th last year, which is close to where they were the year before. I think they were 21st. So not a strength, but, you know, not a horrendous weakness. You know, they should be better at that. And then they also slightly improved in terms of defensive rebounding. So they went from 18th in the year they won the title to 16th. And this is another kind of part of the Warriors picture that they have a lot of talented rebounders, but they don't, especially on the defensive end, Draymond is most notable, but partially when they play small and partially just because their defensive centers are, they're more of the rim protector stop things than, than really just a rebounder. And that's a trade-off you want to make if you have to make it. It's, it's not necessarily a real choice. You could, some people could argue it's a false choice, but at a realistic measure, you know, you choose somebody who can stop the shot that's more important than, than than really focusing as much on rebounding just in terms of the aggregate effects, though both are parts of this, of the whole equation. And so if they can get better on that, it, it's possible. The, the, it's just a, kind of a matter of choice. And one of the big questions that goes around the league, and it's kind of going one direction at the moment, is how much you want to put into offensive rebounding in particular. And so, because every guy you send to the offensive glass is somebody who is not back in transition. And right now, partially fueled by teams like Frank Vogel's Pacers when they were really successful is that teams aren't focusing as much on offensive rebounding. And that has a couple of spillover effects as well, because when you think about it, the fewer offensive rebounders a team sends, the fewer defensive rebounders, have to be around the basket because the other team isn't making you work that hard. And it's also a huge benefit for squads that have a singular player that is a really good offensive rebounder because then, you know, you can kind of split the baby to a degree, which is that you can, you know, send most people back so you can have it, but you have somebody there. Andre Drummond is a great example of this, but there are a few others in the league who can make life hard. Usually you want to keep at least one extra guy back to handle him. And, that is something the Warriors can do. They also have a lot of guys that they can throw at it situationally, but that requires communication and understanding and reading defensively because if it's you know three or it's four guys and then who it is changes around, then the players have to be ready to adjust to that. So that will be an important dynamic for the Warriors to consider this year, but the answer to that question might change dramatically with time. But I would guess that they are not going to prioritize offensive rebounding too much except for the situational, you know, situational awareness. Guys like Andre Iguodala, Durant, even Curry can get them when the opportunity presents itself, but they don't need to push it too hard to make that to make that an issue. And also, 
the more efficient you are offensively, the fewer offensive rebounds you're going to get. So that is a, a possibility as well, just because if they're putting the ball in the basket more often. But we'll see what, what happens there. It's a, it's a big question for Coach Kerr. It's a big question for this team in terms of devoting resources to it. And also on the defensive rebounding edge, there are a couple things that are different. I wrote a piece for The Athletic about how one of my favorite possibilities with this team is that when they go to the small lineup, all five of those guys can grab and go. And why that has a spillover into defensive rebounding is that depending on how the other team crashes the boards, you can set up your fast breaks differently. You know, you can go, you can either push four guys a little bit harder or you can do three and just do a little bit of a stagger on it when a guy makes a read that his teammate has the ball. And the fact that they can do that and just have the other guys move and then the rebounder can dribble it up and make a good decision fundamentally changes the way that that they can fast break and they have some opportunities there so if they can grab defensive rebounds if they can keep their head above water in those smaller lineups it could be really special and that's another way that this team has potential beyond what they've had in other years and Durant can be a talented rebounder when he wants to be just like his weak side shot blocking the final category is a big bugaboo if you want to call it that for the Warriors and that's free throws and so the measure for that is free throw attempt rate. So what free throw attempt rate is, is how many free throws a team shoots poor shot from the field. And what originally when I was reading basketball on paper and going through all this stuff, I found so interesting about it is that free throw attempt rate does not factor in the success of the free throws at all. It is solely about getting to the line. And there is certainly a value to making your free throws. Nobody is disputing that. There are a million different ways to explain the importance of that. However, there is a significant value to getting to the line, even if the ball doesn't go in. You get your team into the bonus, you get other players in foul trouble, and since the league still has foul outs, that is incredibly important. And the Warriors have never really had this as a strength in the modern era. They were 25th in free throw attempt rate last season, and that's about where they've been in the last couple of years. I think with Mark Jackson and with Kerr, they were bottom five or close to it. And then one notable change, though, is that they improved substantially in opponent free throw attempt rate. They went from being 19th to being 12th. And that's a big help because getting in foul trouble is a major concern for various members of the team. And also because that is a way that the defense can kind of have a have a falling out. You know, that's a way that if you're holding a team to a low shooting night, that's okay. But if they're getting to the line, then that's easy points. And it's also fouls and, and all the other th- other stuff. So even if they don't get to the line that much, if they can maintain the opponent free throw percentage, that would be a huge development for them as well. And this is another place where personnel shifts this dramatically because Kevin Durant last year was 10th in free throw attempts. He had 169 more free throw attempts than the highest warrior, which was Draymond Green and their new centers. While we'll see how Hacka works with this team, they're substantially better free throw shooters, which means that they will be more aggressive in those circumstances and be more okay with going to the free throw line in situations where it's not hacking. So I would expect that to jump this year, maybe around league average, maybe a little bit less depending on the circumstance. And also it's something that Steph and Clay have talked about at various other moments in their past as being something that they wanted to get better at. I actually, it's lost to the to the time, 
because my phone bricked, but I had this really nice conversation in 2010 with Clay Thompson. And one of the things that he singled out was how much he liked, you know, seeing those small forwards. He talked about Kobe. He might've even talked about James Harden and how much they got to the line and how that helped their teams. And it's something that he has improved in, but still is not great. And so any, any steps that they can take in that realm will pay off also because the Warriors have a lot of guys now who are very good free throw shooters, Curry, Clay and Durant are the most obvious, but they, you know, Zaza Pachulia, I think is 72%. So they have a lot of these guys, even if they're not the greatest that can do that. And Iguodala off the top of my head is probably like the least consistent of the free throw shooters on, in the main part of the rotation. So that's a really good sign to, to not only have, you know, solid players, but to not have any of those just real, real downers that teams can exploit. And the lack of real good Hacka candidates gives the Warriors to to a degree a tactical advantage. And it it's not a part of free throw attempt rate, but having multiple players who are knocked down free throw shooters is also a huge tactical advantage late in games, particularly in playoff games, because if they overcover one guy, you know, let's say it's Steph Curry because he was the best free throw shooter in the league last year, having somebody else who can make those shots means that you don't have to focus all of your energy on one guy. And the other huge part about having Kevin Durant, if let's say he's the second option there, is that he's also really tall. And as crazy as it sounds, that's actually really important when you think about inbounding because you can get it into a different window. He can get the ball, and usually in those circumstances, even if the team went for a strip or tried to go for a strip, the refs are going to call the foul anyway. So that should help them. I, I still think back to the Jarrett Jack inbounds adventures in the Warriors playoff run I believe that was in 2014 and so you know you think about those sorts of things and having Durant there it's going to really help in terms of attempt rate but it could also help in terms of those crunch time situations so those are the four factors to to run it through very briefly shooting is effective field goal percentage 40 percent turnovers turnover percentage 25 percent rebounding rebound rate 20 percent and free throws 15 percent free throw attempt rate and those are, they're not the end-all be-all, you know, it's not like you can explain every team's success or failure from it, but it does paint a picture, and it's something worth keeping an eye on, it's something that I tried to do a piece every couple months on Warriors World about it when I wrote for them, and it will be a regular feature for The Athletic, because it is worth keeping an eye on, and also, by maintaining a record, which I'll probably do on Locked on Warriors as well, you can see how it changes over the course of the year, and how teams a single team's ranking changes over time, how their numbers change over time really can't explain some of the crazy things. Like you, you see these stretches, the Celtics had one of these this past year where they were just forcing an insane amount of turnovers. I think they were, their opponent turnover rate was over 25% and they were winning a lot of games. You know, they were get because when you force a lot of turnovers, when you get into that comical, like one out of every four possessions, not only are you ending all of those possibilities of the other team scoring but you're generally creating fast break opportunities for yourself so a lot of these things when they get into the real aberration territory positively or negatively it can help explain outcomes and that's part of the reason why I really do enjoy the four factors and it is something that I consider with every team but will focus on with the Warriors in podcast form and written form basically everything I do so hopefully you enjoyed this hopefully provided a little bit of background and you can fall back on this because 
I will be coming back to it over, over various moments in time, and it's not super time sensitive. If you have any feedback, you can always reach out to me on Twitter at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. Also, Danny LaRue, MBA at gmail.com. I read everything, respond to what I can. And as I've mentioned before, it's important to me to say that if you have feedback in terms of like something you'd like for me to discuss on the show, Email is far better for it because it can stay in my inbox. I have a batch of them that will be things at various moments. I was planning on hitting some of them in the Reddit mailbag, but I got so many good questions that they kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, but they will get addressed at some point before the start of the year. So I appreciate all of that that comes in. And if it's in an email, it's even easier for me to catch it because, you know, you can see everything in your inbox where with Twitter, you get these moments where there's a lot going on and sometimes you miss it. You can also follow Locked on Warriors. It's Locked on Dubs on Twitter, Locked on Warriors on Facebook, Locked on Warriors at gmail.com. All of those are, are good ways to keep in touch with the show. And especially with the Twitter feed, I try to keep it pretty clean. It's just, you know, when things come out. But if I get feedback there, I will deal with it as well. So you can do whatever makes you happy. You can also check out any of the other great Locked on podcasts. And there will be more, if you want to call them crossovers, you can, but crossovers with everything else. I also recorded a dunked on with Nate Duncan talking about the news that there might be a CBA agreement. So the collective bargaining agreement before things get, you know, before we even start really worrying about a lockout, which is great news, had some good words from commissioner silver when he he's been in China for the global games. And that is great news because they can do that. And also from a warrior's perspective, getting the rules ahead of time will allow them to battle plan for what's going on with Durant and because Durant Curry and Sean Livingston and Andre Guadala are, are big free agents this year. And a lot of what is possible with them will depend on what the rules of the game are. And so once an agreement is set, once an agreement is available for me to read and analyze, that will be something I do on lockdown warriors, something I will do for the athletic. And of course for the sporting news. So that is very exciting to me, the possibility of doing that. And beyond that, just the possibility of having it settled long before a lockout, as you know, a lot of us still have kind of, if you want to call it scars from the last time around, just because it was tough. And selfishly, you know, this is how I make my living now. So it's also very different in that capacity than it was in 2011. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. And together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast 
in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.